Hello, and thank you for listening to this CD from River of Life Church. If you enjoy this disc, we want to encourage you to share it with a family member or friend. Also, visit River of Life this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. For service times and directions, visit riveroflifefl.com. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Associate Pastor Dr. Bill Jenkins as he teaches from the Word of God. If you have your Bible, please take it and turn with me to Matthew chapter number 7. Matthew chapter 7. I want to thank Pastor Henry for the opportunity to come and to speak to you today, Brother Chuck and his staff. What a tremendous privilege it is to work with them in these days. Have you got it? We still got some folks trying to turn it on. We'll be there in a minute. Matthew chapter 7, if you will, please, beginning in verse number 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him to a wise man which built his house upon a rock. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew. It beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these things of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon sand. And the rain descended, and the flood came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it came to pass that when Jesus had entered these things, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. The ensemble that we had just a few moments ago sang the song, The Solid Rock. That song was actually written in 1834 by Edward Moat. I want to read some of the verses. Sometimes we sing songs without stopping to think about what is being said. He begins the song by saying, my hope. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ, Jesus' blood, and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. In other words, there is no options. It's Christ or nothing. On Christ the solid rock I stand, listen, all other ground is sinking sand. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground, all other doctrines, all other philosophies, all other I think of man is sinking sand. He wrote the fourth verse, and when he shall come, speaking of our Christ, with trumpet sound, Oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless. Think of this, faultless to stand before his throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground sinking sand. Father, 
We'll ask that you'll add your blessings to the reading of your word this morning. Thank you for what you did in Edward Moat's life so many years ago. God, as you gave him the ability to pen these words based upon your word. And Father God, as we turn to it now, help us to so examine ourselves to see, God, whether or not we're truly building upon that one precious foundation, a life that will stand the storms of this life and of eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Many times as you read the four Gospels, you find Jesus Christ using a simple story to bring to light an eternal truth. Such is the case here in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29. A very simple parable about building houses of all things. And yet the truth of this one parable ripples into every area of our life. The word foundation is found 54 times in your Bible. Of that, 23 times it is found in the New Testament. And of that 23 times, 12 times the Greek New Testament uses a specific word dealing with a a spiritual application, a, 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 a foundation of life, And according to Strong's Concordance, the word that is used there is a word that lends itself to a definition of to struggle against, to overcome. In building this foundation, we come to an understanding that it is not something that is easily done. We live in a day and time in which this, this easy believism has, has invaded and, and so uh, thoroughly uh, penetrated the thoughts of mankind that we now believe that God will accept anything and any, everything and anybody and every, everything that they want to do. Just come as you are. That's all right. I want to say to you on the authority of the Word of God, you can come as you are, but He loves you far too much to leave you like that. When you truly, truly get saved, A metamorphosis of grace begins to work in our life. In Luke's gospel, the Bible says, speaking of this same parable, in chapter 6 and verse number 46 through 49, he recounts this parable as taught by Jesus. However, he mentions something that Matthew left out. In verse number 18, Luke says this, The wise man digged deep in order to lay a proper foundation. You must dig deep. You must exert some effort. You must struggle to come to a place where Christ is your solid rock. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul wrote it this way. Verse number 10, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder. What did Jesus say? He said a builder, a wise master builder was one who not only heard the words, but did the words. He did what I told him to do. And so Paul said, I am a wise master builder. I have laid the foundation. It was a struggle. He stayed in jail most of the time. I shared with somebody the other day, when Paul came into a town, he didn't go by the Holiday Inn and check out the accommodation. He went to the jail. Because he knew sooner or later that's where he was going to end up. Why? Because he was laying a foundation. And it was a struggle. He goes further to say, I have laid the foundation under the builder thereon, but let, listen, 
Let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. For other foundation, the fruit of my struggle, can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. And so we understand from studying the Word of God that Jesus Christ has provided us a foundation. That foundation is solid and sure. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. And each one of us then are required, have been given the duty of building upon that foundation a life so that when the storms come and the winds come and the, uh, the floods come, you can survive. But if you have not built upon that foundation, according to the word of the Lord, when the storms come and the winds blow and the floods come, your life is going to come crushing down. And great will be the fall thereof. I want to tell you, as a pastor for over 40 years, I have seen both sides of the coin. I have seen those who, who, when tragedy came, whether it was a loss of a child, a loss of a mother, a loss of a father, a loss of a friend, that they were able to stand against the winds of time. They were able to stand solid upon the rock because their life had been one, that they were constantly involved in the things of God. They're constantly involved in the training and teaching of the Lord. They had built solidly upon the foundation that had been provided by God. And when the storm came, oh, by the way, storms come for everybody. Your Bible says, Matthew chapter 5, it rains on the just and the unjust. Well, preacher, I thought that once I got saved and I got inside a life group and, and I started living for God and God, I thought everything would be perfect. I mean, after all, that's what the guy on television said. He said, if I just give him a little money and I pray, everything would be fine. We ought to ask John the Baptist how things turn out when you live for God. Amen. Maybe the Apostle Paul would like to give a testimony of 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Maybe, maybe somehow in this realm of Christianity, we have allowed Satan to come in and deceive the very elect of God. Telling us that all we have to do is just go to church regularly. And everything will be wonderful. Jesus is finishing. Notice, if you will, the positioning of this parable. Jesus has just finished the Sermon on the Mount. As it begins over in chapter number 5 of Matthew and, and goes through these three chapters. In the process of preaching this message, he touches on 17 different topics. I wish he was here today to preach, don't you? We might be here a while. 17 different topics, all of them concerning the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ here upon the earth and in eternity. All areas of life can be infused and funneled into these teachings. Luke says in his gospel, chapter 6, verse 46, 
that Christ even goes so far to ask this question. If you say you are my disciples and call me Lord, Lord, why are you not doing what I told you to do? Before you live your life, before you build your house, you must make sure that you have a foundation to build on. The positioning of this parable finds itself following probably some of the most in-your-face scripture in all of the New Testament. It begins in verse number 20. Jesus Christ makes this statement. He says, you shall know them, those who are truly my followers, by their works. It matters not so much what you proclaim with your mouth as it matters what you proclaim with your life. You shall know them by their works. And then verse number 21, he makes this statement. He says, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall inherit the kingdom of heaven, but rather he that doeth the will of my Father. Verse 22 is a very, very important verse of Scripture. He says, many... That's more than just a few. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, in thy name we have prophesied. The word prophesy means to proclaim with a loud voice, to preach or to teach. Lord, in thy name we, we've cast out devils. In thy name we've done many wonderful works. Verse 23, I believe the saddest verse in all the Bible. Because in verse 22, you are, you, are, you are confronted with a group of people. If you were to ask them, are you saved? Are you on your way to heaven? They would say emphatically, yes, I'm saved. I'm a preacher. I've cast out devils. I've done many wonderful works. I know I'm saved. Verse 23. Then will I say unto them, depart from me, you work of iniquity. I never knew you. He did not say, I knew you and you got lost again. I was preaching a revival in Missouri and a young lady come up to me and, at the, during the time of the invitation. And I, and I said, why are you coming? She said, I used to be saved, but I backfired. <laughs> All of us have those moments. But even when you backfire, the foundation standeth sure. Make sure you're not building upon a works salvation. Make sure that, that, that you're not depending upon a baptismal certificate to get you to heaven. Make sure that you're not putting all of eternity on an emotional ecclesiastical experience you had one time. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. I have found that salvation makes a whole lot better preacher. I have found that salvation makes a whole lot more dedicated deacon or elder. I have found that salvation changes an individual's priorities of their life. Oh, we've got a lot who are preaching, I believe, who have never found the foundation. You have those who are leadership people who have never found the foundation. We have those who, who are proclaiming one thing, 
But then the storms come. And the storms reveal the foundation. It's, it, it, it's, it's, I think, very appropriate that we take just a moment to think about the fact that both of these built a house. And if you and I were to drive down the highway and we were to see both the houses, we would see pretty nice structures, evidently. We would see that, that they had used good materials. Uh, we, we would see that, 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 you know, the doors are set straight. We would see that the electrical has been run properly, the gas line perhaps, the water line. All of those things seem to be in there. But the one thing we could not see is the foundation. And yet it is Jesus Christ who points to the foundation as being the key to surviving the storms of life and eternity. Being saved is such a part of who I am that for just a moment, and because I'm preaching and not you, I get to do this, I would like to remind you of what salvation truly is. We hear a lot about what it's not, but what is it? First and foremost, being saved is coming to the understanding that you are lost. <laughs> wow! Isn't that a great revelation? Let me explain it to you. I'm out hunting in the woods, and I'm looking at a 25-point buck. Boone and Crockett has never seen a deer like this deer. I have my rifle leveled. I am about to shoot the deer. And Brother Chuck comes running up and hollers, Knowing my spiritual condition at the time, I may shoot Brother Chuck. (laughs) But if I had lost my way in those woods, and I had been out there for three days, and the mosquitoes and the sand gnats had taken their toll, and I have drinking all the water that I had. And I am leaning up against a tree, praying what I feel like possibly could be my last prayer. And Brother Chuck walks up to me and said, Brother Bill, I've been looking for you. Would you like to get out of these woods? Man, would I love to. Follow me. I would be on him like his shadow. All the way. What's the difference in the two scenarios? The second time I was lost. Dear friend, you can't get saved until you see yourself as the Bible describes you. In Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible says, we are dead in our trespasses and sin. We have no hope. You're not, listen, you weren't sinking in your sin far from the peaceful shore. You were sunk. Nobody was coming by to throw you a life vest. Nobody was coming to get you before you went under the third time. The Bible said that you were dead in your trespasses and sin. Dead people don't swim. They float sometimes, but they don't swim. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, you were without hope. How many sins does it take to send somebody to hell? Just one. Well, what's that one? Rejection of Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. Well, the Bible says the Holy Spirit of God has come to convict all men. John chapter number 16. 
That was his job. He was sent into the world to convict the world of sin and to guide man into all truth. And he comes and he convicts you of your sin and he tells you you are a sinner and you make those excuses. But I'm not as bad as so-and-so and I'm not as bad. And we always pick out the sorriest people we can find. Amen? If I'm going to compare myself to somebody, I promise you it's not going to be somebody that looks better than I do. Oh, by the way, you look sharp in that suit this morning. Amen. Not as good as I do, but you look. We make excuses. We, we come up with all these things that we've done. We try to remind God how good we've been, how benevolent we've been. And the Holy Spirit of God convicts us and says that all of your righteousness... All of your good works is as filthy rags in my sight. Romans 3.10, the Bible says, there's none righteous. No, not one. Romans 3.11, the Bible says, no man seeketh after God. God has to come seeking for you. And in case you think we're talking to somebody else, Romans 3.23 is put in the Bible just for you. For all. How many is all? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So what do we do? Romans 6.23, the Bible says the wages of our sin is death. In other words, there's, we're not talking about going out here to the funeral home and laying at a castle. Oh, no, no, no. Romans, Romans chapter 20, verse 11 and following, the Bible talks about a second death, which is eternal separation from God. The wages of sin is to be eternally separated from God. But, don't you love it when God butts in, amen? Romans 3.23 says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans chapter 5, verse number 8, the Bible says God commended His love. God sent forth His love in that while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. Woo! We don't have any Pentecostals left in this church, obviously. <laughs> We've been all given over to the Methodist, I think. He died for us. He loved us in all of our unrighteousness, in all of our vile wickedness, in all of our hopelessness. He came and He loved us when we were so unlovable. When we could not get to Him, He came to us. And He said, I will give myself as a ransom for you. He would become our propitiation, our payment. But there's something we must do. Well, the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, with the heart, men must believe unto righteousness. And then with the mouth is confession made unto salvation. I want to be a secret disciple preacher. I'm just going to sit back here and I'll pray and ask the Lord to tell, come into my heart and save me. But I'm not going to tell anybody. <laughs> well, you've already messed up. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Amen. 
every once in a while you need to go to Walmart for no other reason than just standing in the middle of the aisle and saying, I'm saved. <laughs> Amen. People will think you're nuts. They'll come up to you. What you got? What'd you save on? Well, I got the greatest deal in history. Let me tell you about it. For the Bible says in Romans 10, 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But notice, if you will, even though we've got the positioning of the parable, we also have the point of the parable. Once we have the foundation of Jesus Christ, the Bible says that Jesus said unto them, He that heareth these words of mine and doeth them. Do you see that? Once you get saved, you can't just sit back and say, All right, here I am, Jesus. Come get me. I'm ready. James 1.22, the Word of God says, But be you doers of the Word, and not hearers only. You see, real conversion results in a changed life. Whereas before you were wrapped up in sin and you were being led through the world, Ephesians 2, 1 says that you were led by the power of this world, the prince of the power of darkness. You're being led astray by, rather than facing that every day of your life, now because you have been saved, you have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling with on the inside of you. He is the, the down payment, if you will. He is the one who's going to bear witness with you that you are the child of God. He is dwelling within you. And because of that, when the resident becomes uh, president, the effect becomes evident. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, the Bible says, Therefore, if, what a word, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away. Isn't that great? Did y'all ever play with an Etch-A-Sketch when y'all were kids? Any of y'all? What happens when you turn it over and shake it? Yeah, you remember? Well, I didn't have an Etch-A-Sketch. In fact, they weren't, you know, they, they didn't come along for a few years after that. But I tell you what I did have. I had a picture, a cardboard picture of a, a bald-headed man, and, you know, good-looking guy. And his chest was silver. And he came with a little red plastic pencil. And you could write on that, that silver. Y'all, you know, you, you've seen these. You could put on there where you hid your brother's toys. You could put on there when you kissed your girlfriend. You could write any secret you wanted to on there. And then you reached down and you grabbed the bottom of the page and you lifted it up. And miracle of miracles, when you let it back down, everything was gone. Do you understand what salvation does? Every idle word you ever spoke has been recorded in glory. Every lie you ever told has been retorted. Every time you lost your temper and took God's name in vain, it has been recorded, and God has written that upon your account. But when you get saved, 1 John 1, 9, the Bible says the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all our sin. 1 John 1, excuse me, 1 John 1, 7 says that. 1 John 1, 9 says if we confess our sins, He, God, 
is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what he does? He reaches down and he grabs the bottom of the paper and he lifts it up when you confess Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. And when he puts it back down, new creature in Christ Jesus. Amen. And that's the beginning. For your Bible says, 1 Peter 15, chapter 1, verse number 15, as he who has called you is holy, listen, so be you holy in all manner of conversation or lifestyle. There's an expectation to being a Christian. Romans 12, 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, listen, holy, acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. That's the least you can do. Verse 2 says, and be not conformed to this world. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 11, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation or lifestyle and godliness? See, after we're saved, we enter into a life that is to be being built upon the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that life is to be a life of sanctification. Big fancy Bible word. It means I'm going to say no to the devil, no to myself, no to the world, and yes to the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God. Sanctification. Why is the foundation so important? Because all of us are going to face storms. Not only here, but in eternity. For the word of God says, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we read it to you a few moments ago. Every man's work shall be made manifest, revealed. And the fire, the fire of God's judgment, is going to try every man's work of what sort it is. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 leads us to an understanding that it's not so much just the work, but it's the motive behind the work. Why are you doing what you're doing are you doing it for praise of man are you doing it so that somebody will pat you on the back and say whoo what a christian are you doing it so that he can receive all the honor all the glory there's the possibility then of the parable <laughs> and the rain descended can i get an amen right there how many of y'all been going through a flood amen and the wind's blowing. And the Bible says when all of these things happened, that those who have built upon the proper foundation, their house still stands. My mom and dad were great theologians. They didn't go to church very often. But what they said is hilarious sometimes. I remember very distinctly, we were living in a house open and up in North Mississippi, and uh, the walls up there were paper thin on the houses. That was just the kind of house we lived in. You could hear what everybody else said in the next room. I mean, that's just the way life was. And I remember very distinctly one night, laying in bed, hearing my mom and dad talk about finances. And uh, my mom was telling my dad over and over again about this bill and about that bill and this one being late and that one being late. Just didn't know what they were going to do. And my dad, very philosophical, makes this statement. Well, they can't get blood out of a turnip. Where'd that come from? 
only to hear my mama say, oh, that's true, but they might come get our turnips. <laughs> you been there? When you were scared to go to the door because of who might be on the other side of it? And you were scared to answer the phone because of who might be on the other end of the line? Storms come. Sometimes we're high and sometimes we're low. If we have built on the right foundation, it doesn't even matter if they take your turnips. He's got a thousand cattle on a thousand hills and he'll take some to the slaughter for you. Amen. He is a God who doeth all things well. He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we can think or ask according to the power that is working in you. But that only comes into being if you have built on the proper foundation on Christ. The solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. What are you building on? I can't see in your life, but God can. And the Holy Spirit of God has got the ability to convict of sin. And I'm just going to be very perfect, very honest with you right now, okay? If you're building your life on the things of this world, on finances, on the approval of others, when the storm comes your house is going to fall and great will be the fall thereof. But if you build it on Jesus, let the hurricanes blow. It's a solid rock. I loved what the old preacher said. He said, there's been many a time when I shook on the rock, but there ain't ever been a time when the rock shook under me. Father God, we love you today. We thank you for your word. Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.